It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hawkeye Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs here with you as we wrap up the month of June, almost wrap up the month of June. There's still a week left, but uh, and we get closer and closer to a football season, a full football season, a normal football season, a football season in which we'll be able to tailgate and go to Kinnick Stadium and buy a beer inside Kinnick Stadium. Imagine that. And watch our Hawkeyes play some big games including week one against Indiana and what will probably be a top 15 game. And I'm excited for that. But there's a lot to get to before we get there, and uh, we're going to cover some of that stuff here. But we are going to talk football in this podcast. Uh, as Kirk Ferentz met with the media, he's, he's kind of been on a media tour. I talked to him today on our radio show here in Des Moines, and uh, he met with the media, the assembled media, not on Zoom, the actual assembled media in person, no masks, Kirk Ferentz, and the media yesterday afternoon. Now, we will play that press conference, and uh, and I will do as I've done several times here and kind of go in and out of that press conference and give my thoughts where I, I think they will be valuable to you. I will say, <laughs> one of the good things about these Zoom press conferences was the audio quality because... Kirk Ferentz was in front of a mic at a podium. He wasn't around. Uh, he wasn't standing at a desk with a bunch of recorders around him and a bunch of reporters around him. And that is what yesterday was. So the the quality of the audio, and for me being a radio guy, that's a big thing, um, is not quite up to where I would like it to be. I will admit that. Uh, the, the video we're going to go off of is from... Rob Howe here at Hawkeye Nation. He does this uh, each and every time there's a major press conference or major press availability. He'll post that video up at HawkeyeNation.com for all to see. And you can certainly do that or follow it on YouTube. Uh, There's a couple of different videos. One is Kirk Ferentz's opening statement and then the Q&A section of the press conference. And we will get to all of that. I haven't listened to much of it. Uh, I know he talks about playoff expansion, name, image, likeness, all the hot topics in college football uh, right now, as well as you know what's going on with his team there in Iowa City, how different things are this year compared to last year, and, and all that good stuff. So we will get to that here in just a few minutes. A couple other things I, I just wanted to hit on before we get there is just kind of well, I guess we'll start with the NBA Combine. That's happening this week in Chicago. Both Luca Garza and Joe Wieskamp have been invited to the Combine. They are both there, and they are both turning heads. Luca Garza shows up 20 pounds lighter than he was in his final Hawkeye game. He's a svelte 243 pounds at the Combine, 
And some of the video I've seen from, uh, I think it was a workout at the University of Illinois Chicago last night, of him just draining three after three after three. Things that we've seen as Hawkeye fans for a long time, as his father Frank has posted these videos for a couple of years now. But I think to, uh, to show kind of the rest of the world and certainly the NBA powers that be, that Luca has this skill set, uh, has this work ethic, has built this body, and is ready to go to the next level. Um, I, I think he's playing himself into a a draft spot. Now, not a first round draft spot, probably not a high second round draft spot, but I think a second round draft pick is um, I mean, should almost be expected at this point for Luca Garza. Will he catch on to an NBA team right away? I don't know. Will he spend a year or two in the G League? Maybe, probably, uh, but if his ultimate goal is to get to the NBA, he can certainly play himself there. And um, I'm not going to bet against Luka Garza. How about you? No, no, you're not either. Joe Wieskamp is also turning heads with a, I mean, the measurables, right? He, he's got the measurables, uh, the wingspan and the height and the, the size, uh, the, the jump. He had a huge vertical jump. I think last I saw he was tied for second among all combine participants with the vertical jump. So he's turning some heads there as well. And I think anybody who's holding on to the hope that Joe Wieskamp will return for a senior season at Iowa, it's probably time to let that go. Um, he hasn't announced yet. He has until early July, a couple of weeks yet, to make that announcement. Uh, it'll be interesting to hear kind of what feedback he gets from this combine. But at this point, I'd be shocked if he if he's back in a Hawkeye uniform. He is not listed on the Hawkeyes roster online, although I don't know what that actually means, uh, if anything. But it's it seems like again, I, th- I think he's playing himself into a, a second round draft pick and. Maybe we'll have this similar trajectory as Luca Garza, where you know we'll have a chance in the summer league to catch on to a, to a roster, and if he's not able to, we'll go down to the G League and and try to make his way, right? Try to do uh, like what Tyler Cook did this this past season, where he impressed so much with the Iowa Wolves in the bubble last year uh, in the G League that he caught on with the Pistons, and then got up there and and made a name for himself and has an NBA contract and. Uh, you know, he's going into next season kind of expecting to be on an NBA roster, and, and that's fantastic. And I hope the best for both of those guys, Luca Garza and Joe Wieskamp. Um, and we'll continue to kind of watch their their progress at the NBA Combine. A, a thing I saw today from the Daily Iowan, they put out their kind of end-of-year awards in sports. And I... I found some of this really interesting uh, because it's been just a hell of a year for Hawkeye sports. It, it really has. The basketball season didn't end the way we wanted it to. The football season didn't end the way we wanted it to, mostly because the other teams couldn't play, Michigan and Missouri. I think it was Missouri in the bowl game. But Iowa rattled off six straight wins in, in football and, and had a great basketball season. And again, I'm going to keep calling it a great basketball season. It didn't end great. It didn't end where we wanted it to. But Iowa was a top five team for most of the, the or for for much of the season, and um, and a top, I mean, a top ten team almost all of the season. Played a lot of big games on national TV in big spots. Got a lot of big wins, uh, some historic wins, a thirty point beatdown of Michigan State in the Breslin Center. I mean, things that we will remember forever. And so the basketball season was great, but it it goes far beyond that, right? I mean, the the track team with back-to-back 
Big Ten championships. Uh, the the field hockey team went to a Final Four. There was just a lot to uh, be excited about. The the women's basketball team. I mean, geez, they're fantastic, and and it feels like that program is really on the verge of of greatness. Uh, if you if you don't call what they've already accomplished under Lisa Bluter, great. Um, but yeah, you know, last week I believe it was last week. Jalen McConico, uh was named the Big Ten Track Athlete of the Year. He set school and Big Ten championship records in the in the one ten hurdles. He was the sixth Hawkeye athlete of this past year to be named Athlete of the Year in the Big Ten. So he joins Luca Garza in basketball, Spencer Lee in wrestling, Alex Shockey in golf, Alexa Noel in women's tennis, and Anton Nazeel in field hockey. Six, not all Big Ten, right? Six Big Ten Player of the Year awards to Iowa this past season. Additionally, Caitlin Clark was the league's freshman of the year and could have been the player of the year, and Trenton Wallace was the pitcher of the year in the Big Ten. It's incredible what this athletic department has done over this past year. And so the Daily Iowan puts this list out, and kind of the first thing that jumps out at you is the male athlete of the year is not Luca Garza. And I can't imagine an athletic department in the country who would have the national player of the year in a major sport like that and not have them be the male athlete of the year at their school. He was the athlete of the year in the country, and he's not the athlete of the year at Iowa. And then you look at who won. Oh, Spencer Lee, a guy who won a national championship on two torn ACLs, a guy who won his third national championship and is coming back to go for a fourth, a guy who was undefeated on the season. I mean, five first-period falls. He outscored opponents. 141 to 15 in the Big Ten season. Walked to a Big Ten championship. Won an NCAA championship. Won the Hodge Trophy for the second consecutive year. Not only is this understandable, I think it's the right call. And that's wild to say because Luca Garza just put together the two greatest years and arguably the greatest career in Hawkeye basketball history, and he's not even the Big Ten or the the Iowa Athlete of the Year. So again, this is from uh, Chloe Peterson, the summer sports editor at the Daily Iowan, and I just thought this was kind of interesting. The men's team of the year is the wrestling team. Again, national champions, five and zero in the Big Ten in the dual slate. Had a couple canceled, didn't wrestle outside of the Big Ten. It was still a weird year for wrestling, but the first NCAA title since 2010, which was huge, would have won it last year, didn't get the chance, um, dominated that. I mean, it wasn't close. Penn State was 16 points behind Iowa. And seven All-Americans on that team. Had the basketball team made an Elite Eight, maybe? Had they made a Final Four, certainly they're the team of the year, the men's team of the year. But falling short of a Sweet 16 leaves the door open for the wrestling team. I think that's the right call. The women's team of the year, field hockey, a Final Four, top 10 throughout the season, and number two ranking as it ended the regular season. Didn't win the Big Ten, but got to a Final Four, and that's really cool. 
The male athlete of the year, as we just talked about, Spencer Lee, for all of the reasons we talked about. The female athlete of the year goes to two women. Laulaga Tasaga, the discus thrower, who is just all world, is fantastic. Two All-American honors. Um, four-time, first athlete in Iowa track and field history to be a four-time Big Ten outdoor champion. So well-deserved there, and then she shares it with Caitlin Clark, and we all know what Caitlin Clark has done. She, as, as Chloe writes here, she came to Iowa with hefty expectations and lived up to them. I mean, she uh, had 13 Big Ten Freshmen of the Week honors, unanimous Big Ten Freshman of the Year, won the Dawn Staley Award for the nation's best point guard, averaged 26 points, 7 assists, and 6 rebounds a game as a freshman. That's why she was also named the Newcomer of the Year by the Daily Iowa. And again, who could argue with that? And then finally, the Coach of the Year, Director of Track and Field, Joey Woody. I mean, Iowa track and field in the Big Ten is is dominant. Swept the Big Ten indoor and outdoor conference titles for the first time in 50 years. 12th place finish at the NCAA Championships, which is great for a Big Ten team. He was the Big Ten Indoor Coach of the Year and the Big Ten Outdoor Coach of the Year. He is your coach of the year. I think the only other person, I mean, I guess you could make an argument maybe for Lisa Bluter, could certainly make an argument uh, for Tom Brands bringing the the wrestling championship back to Iowa and and poised to do it again this year. But just what a year for Hawkeye Athletics. What a fun, fun season. What I mean, just year, not even season. What a fun year. And um, the coolest thing is it feels like it didn't feel like the end for a lot of these things, right? Caitlin Clark's a freshman. That basketball program is on the rise. Uh, the Iowa basketball, men's basketball program certainly is losing a lot, but I'm excited about the future. The football team looks good, feels good. Uh, we'll learn a lot in the first couple of weeks, and we'll learn some here from Kirk Ferentz in just a couple of minutes. But it feels like a lot of this is sustainable. It feels like Iowa athletics is in a really good place. And to say that in June of 21 – when things were where they were in June of 20, it's pretty remarkable and something that we should remember, look back on, and feel good about as Hawkeye fans. All right, to the Kirk Ferentz press conference. Again, you can find this video uh, at HawkeyeNation.com or on the Hawkeye Nation YouTube site. Thank you to Rob Howe uh, for not just attending and asking questions, but posting those videos and doing all he does for Hawkeye Nation. He is the the, the straw that stirs the drink, and we appreciate all of his hard work. Uh, I haven't heard much of this press conference, but I'm excited to because I'm ready for some football. Uh, again, the audio of this, I'm going to try to make it as easy to hear as possible, but it's not like Kirk is sitting at a podium with a microphone in front of him. He is uh, He's standing at a table with a bunch of microphones and uh, tape recorders and tape recorders. They're digital recorders, AD, tape recorders. I wonder when we're going to stop saying things like that. I said something to my son the other day. He's going to turn six in a couple of weeks. I said, oh, you know, I got to videotape that. He's like, what do you, what's, what's videotape? What are you talking about? What do you, what's that word? And I realized, oh, I just mean I'm going to record it on my phone. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Make a video. Um, 
so not tape recorders, digital recorders there in front of Kirk Ferentz. So again, I will uh, I'll do what I can to make this audio listenable. If it is unlistenable, well, this is going to be a really short podcast. <laughs> Here is the head coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes, Kirk Ferentz, yesterday, 6-22, June 22nd, 2021. Uh, this is the Hawkeye Nation podcast. Just, you know, welcome and, and uh, you know, hope you have a good chance to visit with a couple of players here. Good, good to, uh, you know, get the guys back on campus and let them share some perspectives about the summer and just what's going on. And, um, you know, we're, we're uh, certainly glad, first of all, that uh, things are seeming to open the back up. And it sounds like things are good for the, the season uh, as far as fan participation and all that. So I think that's something to be happy for. And then, you know, uh, as far as it pertains to our team, really pleased with the way the guys finished up uh, spring practice. You know, we all visited on May 1st and then, you know, the uh, way they finished up that following week and did a nice job in the classroom during the semester and now uh, after a nice break and, and a needed break. And I think that's really important if you work hard, you got to rest hard. So the guys are back and, and uh, this is week three, it's hard to believe. Uh, a, it's week three, it's hard to believe. Today's the 20, 22nd of June, so still kind of, it's just flying by. I don't know if that's a pandemic result or whatever, but really flying by. But. Uh, I think uh, the biggest thing right now, you know, we talk to our players about every period having meaning and, and uh, just value. And uh, just try to make sure everybody really understands how important each step along the way is. And that's, you know, the message we delivered back in January. Certainly it's continued, and I think uh, based on what we're seeing so far, uh, the guys are really doing a good job there. Um, you know, so really right now, it's all about our guys focusing on a couple of things. There's not a lot of classwork going on. Some guys are taking classes. Not, not extensively, not like in a normal year. Hopefully next year we'll be back in that mode. So it's really about you know what they're doing in the conditioning phase, what they're doing about uh, you know just getting to know each other a little bit better, and um, you know what are they doing about you know learning more football, uh, working on their own seven on seven, those kinds of things. And and the big thing is this is in season for Ray Braithwaite and his staff. Uh, this is where they they really uh, shine. Not that they don't work year round because they do. They do a great job. But this is their end season, if you will. And then right along with that is Cammie Paul and her staff. And if anybody deserves uh, kudos uh, for last year and what we went through in the summertime, it's both those strength conditioning staff trying to keep track of everything and then our training staff just going above and beyond and doing things they never uh, dreamt of or certainly didn't sign up for. So, you know, I think all of us, uh, one big takeaway from this last however many months it's been now, uh, five plus months, just you know, being back in a state of semi-normalcy where we're you know, going to work Monday through Friday or Saturday and just kind of knowing what to, uh, what to count on. So you know, that, that's really where, where we're at right now. Uh, it's about guys understanding how important strength conditioning is, working on their fundamentals, uh, the fundamentals of the football part of things. And then you know, as we uh, continue to you know, move forward, that'll hopefully have impact. Uh, you know, we talked to our team about being you know, a tough, smart, physical football team. That is important to us. That's how we uh, want to look when we're playing. And we want to be looking you know, like a football team in November. But if, if we expect to do that in November, we, we've got to do the work right now and have it you know, begin back in January again. So you know, the message kind of stays the same. And uh, you know, I think our guys are getting grasping that. And, uh, the biggest thing is, you know, right now, the focus on, is on getting ready for the preseason camp, which will begin in earnest at for first week of August, and then you know, it's, it's a big month. And, um, you know, again, we want to look good in November, but uh, we, we don't have much time for, for rest this year. I mean, it's we jump right into it. Right off the bat, the conference opponent, that's unusual, unless you count last year, uh, which were all conference games. And then 
you know, two teams that are, are very veteran, very uh, established. You know, we, we can count on both these teams uh, being really good. And, you know, that's usually the month of September for us. We have to be at our best. So that, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, last but not least, I uh, just uh, want to say it's really great to have Jason Manson officially join us. You know, we've already announced him, but he got here last week. Um, and it's great to have him back. Uh, Jason, as I mentioned, you know, former player, very valued team member, a great leader on our team. A great human being, I think maybe most importantly is, you know, his life experiences since graduation. Uh, he's a father of three, uh, husband, father of three, and uh, to have his perspectives. He's worked with, uh, you know, non-college athletes for the majority of his time away. Uh, I think he's going to bring a good perspective. And Sam's done a great job in bridging it uh, between uh, Roderick's, uh, you know, television and uh, Sam will continue to work in that department as well. He'll split his time and duties, but uh, he's been a great addition also. So, but great to have Jason back, and uh, you know, it's in season for him too, obviously. And good opportunity for him to really start to get to know not only the young guys, but everybody on our roster. And he's been away for a while, so it's all, all new for him. All right, there's Kirk Ferentz talking a little bit. It's kind of his opening statement. Uh, don't learn a lot there. Uh, didn't, it was nice to hear him mention Ray Braithwaite and the strength and conditioning program and how this is kind of their in-season, right? This is when uh, guys kind of make those strides. You have that spring football season, and then you come in and you you work like an Iowa Hawkeye, I guess. I don't know if they call it the Iowa way anymore, uh, but hopefully, uh, hopefully that's all going well and you know, Kirk mentioned when he was on the air with us today uh, on here in Des Moines on, on the radio that it's it's interesting because he's been there so long that now they're recruiting, you know, the sons of guys who played for him and uh, talked about how he's the the only living Iowa head football coach as Jerry Burns passed away a, a while back. And, um, of course, Hayden Fry passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, he said, Kirk said he's got a picture of he – Fry, Evashevsky, and Burns, and he's going to get that blown up and posted somewhere because that's uh, that's a pretty historic picture. I mean, you think about the the stability of this program. I'm I'm pushing forty, and there have been two head football coaches in my lifetime at Iowa. It's pretty incredible. Let's get back into the press conference here. These are the, the Q&A section. This runs about 16 minutes total. Uh, so I'll jump in here where I can or where I want to or where I feel like I can uh, provide you something. And if, uh, if if Kirk is saying it all and I need to just sit here and shut up and listen with you, I'll do that as well. Uh, in the country, probably have an appreciation just for you know, being able to walk outdoors without a mask or walk into a building without a mask. So yeah, that, that really that kind of hit me right in the face back in January. You know, there's some you, you really, none of us really knew what January, February were going to bring, but uh, for the most part, we really, um, it was routine for us. We had two uh, positive cases of virus right off the bat, and then nothing, it was, you know, just smooth sailing the rest of the way, and I don't mind telling you, I was worried about that from, uh, especially from the point when I found out we weren't going to do rapid testing during spring practice. So, um, you know, just the fact that we were able to operate with some normalcy, and we're pretty much in that mode right now. Uh, you know, you have, we all take a lot for granted our health, you know, just routines and things like that. Yes, there's a special meaning. I'm sure it'll be short lived, but at least uh, right now, I think all of us appreciate that. We were uh, asked to mask up if we weren't vaccinated. I assume that the players and yourself uh, follow the same. Yeah, and I, I did see some terminology we're not requiring, I guess, but we're strongly encouraging. But, um, yeah, it's a whole different discussion about the vaccine, but to me, there's a lot of incentive for not 
or for getting the vaccinations, and uh, that is one of them. You're maskless, and you're most, maybe not most importantly, your contact tracing free, and that really did a lot of damage last year. It cost a lot of training hours and what have you, and uh, so that's a big part of it. And maybe as good as anything is not having the PCR test uh, weekly. Uh, that'd be a good incentive for me. But um, me personally, it just seemed like the right thing to do, but that's, that's my personal feeling, and I know we got a lot of perspectives uh, in that regard. Are you not requiring your staff or players to get vaccinated? No. I'm not sure I can, and I'm not sure I would if I could, you know, but I think everybody's got to make their own choice, and Factual information and you know, a lot of non-factual information out there too. You mentioned appreciation. Have you sensed it with the players that everything they went through that starting to get back a little bit that they maybe appreciate, maybe cherish just a practice? I, I think so. I think we really had a good vibe throughout the entire spring, whether it was uh, the winter conditioning or moving into spring practice. And um, like I said, you know, it'll probably be short lived, like all of us, right? We. Uh, you know, you hurt your ankle, I wish I was healthy, and then three months later, you know, you forget all about that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think so. I think, you know, probably a while. I know we're going to appreciate getting into a stadium with, you know, real, like, energy, you know, uh, human energy. And that's, you know, there, there are going to be reminders along the way for sure. Uh, I was telling somebody earlier today, maybe the strangest, a lot, a lot of weird things have happened in the past year, but one of the strangest sensations was pulling in for that first game and nobody on the sidewalks. It looked like a science fiction movie and just uh, like in high school in Pennsylvania, you play two scrimmages every year before the season starts. So that second Saturday, first Saturday, you drive up to another school and play and there's nobody there except for you and them. That, that's what it was like. So that was that was really a strange, strange feeling, especially at Maine, that was no big deal. But, you know, here, um, you know, here it was kind of different. Yeah, it's going to be fun, man, to be back inside Kinnick Stadium, have that place rocking, do the wave, uh, all of it, right? It will be interesting to see how some of these guys fare. Uh, Spencer Petras hasn't played, at least not as a starter in, in, you know, in a big moment, um, in front of 70, 80, 100,000 people. So how will that affect him? Is, is he a gamer, right? Is he a guy who, who could have used some of that pressure, some of that energy? Uh, it, it'll be interesting. Um, it's going to be fun, though. I mean, everywhere you go is going to be a big deal, certainly early in the season. Uh, but, the, yeah, that first game at Kinnick Stadium, the second game uh, over at, at Jack Trice Stadium against Iowa State, I mean, this is going to be as electric as anything we've ever seen uh, here in Iowa or anywhere else when it comes to college football. Uh, obviously, Kirk is excited about it. It will be. I think that's going to be a talking point and kind of a storyline uh, as we get into the season um, you know, do they get rattled? Can they not hear each other? Uh, you know, what's different for Spencer Petrus on the line when the crowd is going nuts at, at Jack Trice Stadium and he's got to you know make an audible at the line? Uh, it, it'll be it's a it'll be something that we we follow and talk about and ask about as we as we move into a normal college football season. Kirk, you had a lot of guys kind of dinged up in the spring. Did anything turn out to be serious, or is everybody going to be ready to no, go Nothing off? overly concerning. We have a couple guys that are going to be pushing it right up against the uh, you know go time mark. Um, I think most for the most part, everybody's pretty much on schedule. And then we had a, our newcomers reported a week, week ago Sunday. And uh, we had a couple guys come with some injuries. They're going to keep them up. But, you know, we're not counting on those guys necessarily to play, certainly not to save the team. But, but it's just it impedes our, our ability to progress. But unfortunately, it's part of what we do. And 
um, you know, guys deal with it and you know, just keep pushing through it. But yeah, I don't think anything monumental at this point. Nico Regini was you know, one of those guys, the only offer was from you. And there's a million stories like that in this program. Is that kind of a, how important a building block is that in this program? You guys that Nico Regini got a chance and been the most yeah, it is, and, and you know, consider that or walk-on stories that you know, we're guys end up being really good football players, and um, it's, it's critical for us. It's just it's critical for us. And you look at all of our teams, or every team, you look at three, four guys that are starters or key players that you know came came in that regard. Um, you know, Nico's. Uh, you know, we looked at him once, didn't quite pull the trigger on him, and, and you know, offer him a scholarship, and then a year later, just made good sense and. Um, you know, it's interesting right now. We, you know, we graduated two seniors that were very good receivers. Yet I do feel like we have two guys. You know, Tyrone was just here. Two guys that, you know, we, in my mind, they're starters. You know, so we have every confidence that they're ready to go. And, you know, Nico's, uh, he'll, he'll be fine. You know, so he'll be ready to go, and then we'll supplement. But yeah, those for us to be successful, we need to have those stories, and that's again goes back to this this phase right now, this summer conditioning. Um, you know, the guys are building, they're changing, and. If we're doing it right, we'll be a different team in August than we were uh, on May 1st, and we'll be a, hopefully a different team by September 1st or 2nd, that first Saturday in September, whatever day that is this year. Jump in here quick. Uh, talk about a, a different state of the program where you can talk about a couple of uh, receivers who are NFL caliber, who graduated and, and leave the program, and yet you feel comfortable with the guys that are coming in. You feel like, as Kirk said, just said, they, they are starters. They are legitimate uh, Big Ten caliber players. It's been a long time since we've been able to just reload at the wide receiver position. This time, you evaluated uh, your quarterbacks after the spring. Yeah. You talked to us, I think it was like May 1st, and mm-hmm. got a chance to review the film. What's kind of, how, where is the competition now? Is it still Spencer? Is it Spencer and Alex? Uh, how would you kind of categorize it? Right? I think, you know, we're going to keep an open mind for every position, but uh, Spencer clearly has that experience and didn't a year ago, but now he does. And, and he did a good job through um, spring practice, you know, start to finish. Probably the, the real story is the other two guys improved, and you know you usually expect that for guys that haven't played a lot. Like it, you hope it does click. Uh, Alex in particular, he, not that he wasn't doing well, but he was just kind of flat, flat line for about the first two weeks, two and a half weeks, and then that last half he really ascended. So he looked a lot more comfortable, a lot more natural, and just a little bit more decisive. And uh, so the, the takeaway I think for us right now, we feel like we've got a couple guys that you know can go and. Deuce does a lot of good things. He's just on that learning curve right now. Those guys have a big jump on him there, and that, that's his biggest challenge, I think. So, but, you know, with the summer and then August, hopefully he'll be on that same same path. And, um, you know, I don't know if it's possible to have three guys you feel good about, but we're hoping so. so it's good. Well, you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback, right? Uh, there's good, <laughs> Alex Padilla and the way he looked in those couple of times we got to see him in the spring, the way that uh, the, the staff has talked about him, the way Kirk just talked about him right there, um, that's going to be a name that as soon as Spencer Petras has uh, a rough outing, even a rough series, which is going to happen, um, everybody loves the backup quarterback, right? I fully expect Spencer Petras to be the starter against Indiana on September Second or whatever day that is, as Kirk was saying, September fourth probably, uh, the eleventh. Yeah, but um, 
But Alex Pity is a name that we're all going to know, and uh, he'll be all o- it, it will be all over Twitter the first time that Peters throws an interception or you know doesn't go through his progressions, throws a ball into the into the dirt, throws a bad interception. Things he's he was prone to do last year, but also had a, a weird off season uh, going into his first year as a starter. But Alex Padilla has certainly uh, made a name for himself this spring. Good. Yeah, but we, yeah, we'll let everybody compete. You mentioned how important those guys like a, a Nico Regani or a Kyler Schaaf, for another example, are to this program. And How much better do you feel about your football team right now at this point, this year versus how you did last year, not being able to be with them, not being able to see them, to have that crucial development time back here going into a season like you're supposed to? Yeah, the one thing that's relative for everybody, right? so we all, we all had those challenges last year. Uh, now we all have the same opportunities this, this year, and uh, it's like a game week, but... But that said, the challenge is, you know, how you work. It's not what everybody's working right now, so how do we work? And we, we I don't know this, but we may work less than anybody. We're, you know, we've got our schedule to go four weeks, and then we take nine days, and then we come back for three-plus weeks, and then we another break before camp um, to, to fit in that, that, you know, that vein of, you know, trying to work hard but rest hard, too. Uh, but our, our emphasis is when we're going, let's make sure we're making, making those days count. And the more mature your team is, the... You know, more cerebral they are, the better they understand that and the better they maximize the opportunities. But that, that's really the race we're running right now is how, how effectively can we use that time, how much growth can we demonstrate. And that's everybody, like, you know, whether it's Patriots or Linderbaum, um, you know, guys on defense like Matt, you know, it's everybody. They, they've all got to be doing their part. And then, you know, then we'll have a chance to have a good team if we'll do that. Where do you have NIL, the legislation is going to get passed. It's just a question of when. I know you know that. Will the department and your program have suggestions, guidelines, etc., for your players? And what? How concerned are you? What's this going to mean for the Iowa Hawkeyes? I'll start there. I don't know what it's going to mean for anybody, uh, for anybody in college football. I feel a little better. I was in my car a week ago Friday uh, in Des Moines to be exact, uh, driving you know past like Urbandale exit, I guess it was, and Hickman Road, I think it is. Mark Few was on the radio, and he, he gave an answer that I. Could identify with. Uh, he didn't know all the details, all the particulars, and uh, I certainly feel like I'm in that, that category. And I think most of us are going to be learning as we go. Uh, it also appears most of us are going to be partnering up with experts. So, some smart people on the outside have seen this coming and they've uh, uh, maybe capitalized on an opportunity. But I think, you know, I know in my case and probably our, our coaching staff's case, we're going to be really leaning on, on people that do understand the ins and outs of this. and. Uh, it's like everything, you know, any changes that come along, you try to navigate and do it as best you can for giving your institution. It's probably going to be different everywhere in the country, would be my guess. But, you know, you, you, quite frankly, you probably know more about the details than I do. And, uh, but we're going to learn. And, you know, just so it happens this year, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come fast. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure anybody can say exactly where it's going to go or what it's going to look like when it's all said and done. Do you think that will be a positive development for the program and for the players? I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but you know, one of the best things I've seen in the last decade was the uh, expansion of the the food, you know, allowing us to, to feed our players. And uh, you know, talking here about our program, what we're doing right now, nutrition is hugely important for athletes uh, that are serious about training. And it was 20 years ago, but we didn't have that opportunity to uh, to feed our players. So, um, you know, I think I think yeah, I think it's it's a positive and, and really. But with that, there, there's going to be uh, a real challenge. Yeah, based on my, my you know, very small uh, knowledge base here, 
Uh, it's going to be one more challenge. I think a huge challenge for everybody in life, especially college student athletes, is count time management. This is going to be one more thing to uh, to deal. You know, try to try to factor in. And I got a feeling it may be a little bit more attractive than maybe a you know rhetoric class or Western civilization. <laughs> so uh, I'm just guessing. So you know, those, those are some of the battles that you run, or in my case, music appreciation. Right? The, I can't remember the professor's name. He he appreciated a lot more than I did. I enjoyed watching him. He was really enthusiastic, but it just didn't, it wasn't striking a chord for me. I got a dad joke. I couldn't, have, I couldn't, resist, it. I couldn't resist it. My daughter Joey's going to rip me for that one. Are, are there a couple of players from your past that could have really cashed in on this NIL thing? I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. But, I, but again, I don't know to what magnitude. or It's going to be interesting, yeah. you know. And uh, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. We, we're, we're all going to be learning. Young animal, we're all going to be learning on this one. I'm not suggesting we're old, but you know, young <laughs> experience or inexperience, we're all going to be learning as we go along. Everybody's experience, inexperienced in this field. June 1st, the doors swung back open for recruiting. What have the 22 days been like, and how much does NIL come up with yeah. those kids? It, it, not a lot. Uh, you know, at least at, at my, in my conversations, I made mean, the assistance, but we, you know, we're, we're just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. And, you know, yesterday was a significant step, but I think we're all still waiting to see what happens. Um, you know, as you go along, you know, things, things just dawn on you. And, and uh, as our first year guys got here, it was apparent to me, you know, what, what a strange year it was for them, needless to say. You know, in, in some ways we knew them better because we had, you know, we weren't working last April, May, <laughs> June, right? So we're not working. And uh, so we're having all these Zoom conversations. And normally you're working, so you don't have that kind of time uh, allotted for, for that kind of, uh, you know, uh, activity with, with a prospect. So on one hand, we, we felt like we knew each other, but, but it was strange to shake hands with people you never shook hands with, and, and they're already, you know, they're here. So that was strange. But it also dawned on me, too, that, um, and I told our staff, I really think we're going to see a lot of interesting things this, this month and, and future months. Uh, guys may be making decisions in, in what might appear to be an irrational way or a reactionary way. Uh, but I, I think about our case, you know, one of the things I think that helps us sell our program is Players coming in during the course of spring. Certainly, players coming to Kenning Stadium as juniors or sophomores. So, you know, we haven't been afforded that opportunity with a lot of the prospects we're talking to right now. Um, so, I, th I think there's a residual effect there a little bit. And uh, I know this: if it was a prospect's third or fourth time on campus this weekend, we'd be in better shape as far as. Um, but so, all, all that being said, I think like last year was an unusual year, and you just kind of weigh it that way. And I think. No matter how this turns out this year, and it's still a long race till December and February, um, you know, we'll just see, try to be smart about what we do, the decisions we make, and then, you know, keep it in context. And if, you know, if we don't sign a full class, I, what I don't want to do is just start doing things to do things. Uh, then we'll, we'll make up for it next year, or we'll have good stories on this team, too, that are going to emerge, and uh, we'll, we'll figure it all out. But, It'll work itself out, but it's it's my point. There is like this is going to be maybe a stranger year in some ways than last year. <laughs> so uh, he, they they kind of moved on from the name image likeness stuff, but he did have a couple answers there, and I really I really like the way he is. Uh, he is talking about this. I don't know how he feels about it in his head. I don't know how he actually thinks about it. But for for Kirk to be kind of as open about this as he is, to be as accepting about this, it doesn't seem like uh, it doesn't seem like Fran McCaffrey in the transfer portal, right? He's not saying it's awful. He's not saying it's uh, it's terrible. He's kind of embracing it. I wonder. 
how different it is this year compared to what it would have been before last June when all of the the kind of racial stuff uh, came out and, and the, the change in the program, uh, the change in the, the dynamics and the communication levels in that program and kind of uh, what he allows and, and doesn't allow players to do. Um, you know, I think he, he has, hopefully, kind of seen a light and, see, and seen the change and, and – uh, approach this in a different way it certainly feels like that that is what's happening and uh much like you i'm guessing i'm i'm able to give kirk the benefit of the doubt uh more than most people but i I do like the way he's talking about this like the way he's approaching it i like the way he talked about it uh with us on the radio today it's just he doesn't know what's going to happen but he's certainly not against it he's certainly not anti it there are some concerns i hadn't really thought about the time suck of it all and then kind of you know all of the uh, things that are playing on on the time of these athletes already uh, between school and camp and, and football and social life um, to add you know maybe maybe camps maybe experience uh, appearances uh, certainly some social media uh, you know putting a little more time maybe into your social media as you can monetize those channels uh, it's it's going to be an interesting thing you wonder. I think we'll see some really positive stories. I think we'll see some really negative stories. But I do appreciate the way he's kind of open to it and accepting of it and understanding that it is where the sport is headed and he's not fighting against that. We've seen high-profile basketball coaches retiring left and right because they don't want to enter this new world. Kirk Ferentz is a guy at his age with his tenure who could say, you know what? We're going to start paying these players. They're going to start able, being able to make money. That's a, a part of this I don't want anything to do with, and it's time for me to kind of step away and let younger people deal with this. It doesn't seem like that's his approach, uh, and I do appreciate that. I like the analogy he had with the food, basically saying, hey, we we fixed a thing when we allowed players to eat as much as they wanted, to, to have access to the nutritional services that they need. And to liken that to this name image likeness where he's essentially saying, hey, we're fixing a wrong. Uh, These players should have been able to do this already, and we don't know how it's all going to play out or or what the impact is going to be, but it's a positive development. It's a good step. And so I really appreciate uh, Kirk Ferentz. Again, a guy at his age who could just say, well, you know what? This is too much, too fast. It's it's gone in a direction I don't like, and and I'm going to step away. It doesn't seem like he's there. It seems like he's embracing it. All right, just a couple of minutes left here in this press conference. How often do recruits bring up get to the NFL when they're being recruited? If, if they're not bringing it up, they're thinking about it. You know, I mean, basically every young high school football player has that dream, I think. I don't want to speak for them all, but it's pretty common. And a lot of parents do too. And I'm all for it if it's healthy. It's not a program goal. And I always tell our players and tell prospects it's, it's a byproduct of having a good college career, just like when I talk to uh, kids in our camps. You know, if you want to play, be a college football player, have a great high school career. Focus on that, and things will work themselves out if they're supposed to. So uh, I think it's really important everybody keeps it healthy. But it's, you know, us that are involved in football, that's what we do. So I understand that. But, um, and you want you want guys that want to be the best they can be. But not everybody's going to get to an NFL camp. Everybody should graduate. And everybody can have a great experience. To me, that's maximizing whatever capabilities you have, whatever ability you have to, to improve and grow. Like that, that's a race you should be running, not not getting to the NFL. It's a, it's a nice byproduct. It's, you know, it's, it's a treat if it happens. 
I will wrap it up there. I appreciate you uh, you bearing with that audio here and, and uh, you sticking with me here uh, on all of these podcasts. These are fun to do and uh, they wouldn't happen if you weren't listening. So I do appreciate that. If you have any ideas of things I should talk about as we uh, move forward here throughout the summer, hit me up on Twitter at Murph or <laughs> that's my that's my radio show. I'm so used to doing that. At Andrew C. Downs on Twitter, hit us up at Hawkeye Nation, uh, and please go to HawkeyeNation.com. There's uh, there's forums, there's stories, there's video like the one you just heard. There's articles. There's uh, a lot going on at Hawkeye Nation. Always, always, and it's a great time to be a Hawkeye. Always, I appreciate you listening. Go Hawks.